Hello, Sanctuary. Welcome again to another week. We're hoping that you're doing well, hoping that you're, if you're uh, sequestered, that you are getting everything you need and uh, hope that you're having a time for good reflection and being able to get some work done. We pray for all of you that are either facing or knowing someone that's facing illness or really being hit by the financial issues that are going on. Um, I'm, I love that we can get together like this. I wish we could get together face-to-face. -face. I'm trusting that that will happen sooner than later and that this will be addressed in all the ways that are appropriate. This morning, we are reading from the gospel, and it's a celebration of the time of the what's called the Feast of the Annunciation. This is The Annunciation is the announcement of the incarnation by the angel Gabriel to Mary, that she's going to bear a son who's the, the son of God. Uh, it seems odd, seems kind of Christmassy, but the truth is it's, it's a great story about how Mary is saying yes to God when she's not understanding everything that that constitutes and is open to this life that comes into the world uh, in a spectacular, amazing, supernatural way. And it fits in the context of Lent about us being open in the midst of question, about us saying yes to God when we don't understand everything, and our anticipation of, of, of the coming of Jesus through the resurrection. So it's, it does tie into this season that we call Lent. The story of Mary meeting the angel, saying yes in that context, is it's jammed with what it means to be a faithful follower of God. Mary stands, many have thought historically, as the image of the perfect disciple. The text proclaims that the angel says of her, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. So there are a number of subtle and beautiful dynamics going on in Mary's interaction with the angel, dynamics that I think we should welcome in our hearts as we follow Jesus Christ. Let me point out a couple. Let me point out three of them, actually, from this story. First, Mary is not afraid to question what's going on. I mean, when the angel says to her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, she asks a perfectly reasonable, extremely practical, non-theological question. How can this be, since I'm a virgin? So though Mary is full of grace, her faith was not just blind assent. This means that true faith is not divorced from questioning. In fact, it turns out that faith is often strengthened by our questions, as long as they're honest questions, not mocking or cynical questions. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, questions the angel that claimed he and his wife, Elizabeth, were going to have a son. And uh, But his question is in the first part of this passage of Luke, right before this Mary story. But his question was obviously rooted in more cynicism than honesty and honest faith. And that was problematic for him. But honest questioning is really a strength to faith, a boon to faith. True faith has nothing to do with a sort of slavish, unthinking, unreflected acceptance of everything. It, it's forthright. It dares to admit its doubt as it considers faith. There's a great story in the Gospels about a man who is asking Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus asked the guy if he believes, because Jesus said, everything is possible for the one that believes. And then the text says, immediately the father exclaimed, I do believe. But then he said, help me overcome my unbelief. See, I think that this signals to us that 
that true belief owns its unbelieving, that um, the part of us that wonders if this is crazy uh, while it chooses to believe anyway is really a huge aspect of what faith is because faith isn't certainty. It's a, it's a calculated trust. Faith is a movement of the heart. It's a kind of roll of the dice, an engagement into some sort of an adventure, not absolute certainty. When you and I face the claims of faith, it's okay to say, how can this be? I mean, when I read texts like Romans 8, 28, and the text claims that we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I mean, I think, how can this be? I mean, especially in the face of what we're watching unfold through this coronavirus pandemic. I mean, one of the our nurses and sanctuary works in an oncology and hospice unit in one of our local hospitals. And she was sharing of the heartache of watching patients die without loved ones in the room because of the quarantine issues that are at play. I, I know some who, in our context, who have filed bankruptcy because of the loss of income as a result of how the pandemic is slowing business. I mean, there's lots of pain and lots of loss. And then we have this text that claims in the face of it, without any condition, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. I think it's absolutely okay to respond. How can this be? I mean, perhaps we must respond that way. I mean, that response is not unfaithfulness. It's just simple honesty. Or, or think of a promise like Jesus gives to us in John 8, 36. It says, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And maybe today you're sitting in some kind of bondage. I mean, some destructive behavior or some toxic kind of interaction you have with people. You can't seem to shake it. You keep doing it over and over again or some addiction in your life. In, in spite of whatever you face, Jesus is still speaking. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you have every right to utter, how can this be? I mean, how am I free? When all I see is how I am bound well, let me say it again. Faith is not divorced from questioning. It can actually be strengthened by your questioning. But this ask that Mary does, this wonder that she articulates, is not the only thing that Mary does in the story. Mary also takes a leap in the midst of her question. She says, be it done to me according to your word. I mean, she is saying, I may have unanswered questions, but I'm in. Mary doesn't need to have all the answers and the total certainty before she commits her life to God. In the midst of some degree of uncertainty, she says, I'm in God. This means that you and I can say yes to God, and we can say, be it done unto me according to your word, while we don't have all the answers neatly wrapped up in a bow. And I love that. I love that we can leap when we don't know for sure. One of our parishioners reached out to us this week with her, about her mother-in-law and her father-in-law. They were sent to the hospital with this virus-related business, these symptoms, and she called for prayer. And she said, she said, it's bananas. Um, if you have not heretofore, at some point in your life, you will feel disorientation like that. It's, it's going to seem like bananas for you. And when you and I are in spaces where things are bananas, we don't have time to get all of our questions answered. Yet, a choice needs to be made. Are we going to freak out? 
are we going to trust in spite of the questions? If you choose to trust, it's, it's called a leap of faith. That's what Mary models for us here. She simply says in the midst of uncertainty, be it done unto me according to your word. This leap of faith, <laughs> it has the capacity to carry all our bananas as it leaps. Then the, the last insight I wanted to give you from Mary is that her faith was rooted in freedom. Mary could have said no. I mean, in this moment where she declares she's the Lord's handmaid and willing to be all God asks her to be, she was perfectly free to do otherwise. We shouldn't romanticize the Mary story. We shouldn't believe that it was just easy peasy for her, right? I mean, Luke tells us that she was greatly troubled by all this. And as you look at the life of Mary and Joseph, it's obvious that they were not fully uh, informed about all that was really going on with her and the baby, right? She was 14 years old, 15 years old maybe, when this happened. And there was no way she could grasp all the nuances and the ramifications of that moment. I mean, she obviously got some of its implications. She certainly knew that an unmarried pregnancy would make her a social outcast. But she, did, did she really get the implications of the incarnation, that God Almighty was actually the father of this child that she carried in her womb? Probably not. I mean, when Jesus was 12, in the Luke narrative, he's claiming that he was supposed to stay and be in his father's house. And the text tells us that when Mary and Joseph hears Jesus talking about it, they didn't understand what he was talking about. So though there was mystery in all this, again, Mary said, yes, she took the leap of faith as a perfectly free person. She chose to use her perfect freedom to enter the story that brought salvation to all humanity. So I would suggest that in the midst of all the uncertainty surrounding this pandemic and all the questions that are popping up and all the ways that um, seem crazy, God is speaking to us as he did to Mary. Um, he's saying that he is with us, that we are not to fear, that he will provide for us and that he will care for us. We have every right to question that, not cynically, not mockingly, but honestly. But beyond the honest questions, will you leap into the arms of God and dare to trust him in spite of your questions? Will you say, be it done unto me according to your word? Remember, you don't have to. I mean, you are perfectly free to be in fear and God will still love you. But if you choose freely to leap, you'll be following Mary's lead. And make no mistake about it, though, there are no guarantees in the leap of faith. You will not be certain that all will be well. There's only the comforting promise that God will be with us in whatever. God promises to be with us in illness and healing, but also in illness and death. I mean, we all love certainty, especially in religion, but faith does not give us that. It does not put us in control. Faith trusts in a God who is present, who is with us. It's rooted in texts like the one from Romans 8 that says, who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? I mean, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? And he goes on just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, Paul writes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him 
who loved us. For I am convinced, he finishes, beyond the doubt is what he's saying, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, these are one of those texts that I absorbed when I was just first coming to Christ. So beautiful. Nothing can separate us from God. That's the heart of it. I mean, again, remember faith isn't, certitude. It's just calculated trust. It's it's a movement of the heart, a roll of the dice, an engagement into the great adventure that we can have with this being we cannot see. So my encouragement to you from Mary, from the text, adventure well this week. Stay safe. Keep loving God. We will get through this. Amen.